What's good, everybody? I am Adam Dash. And as you can see, my partner Sam is not here again this week as he studies for his GRE exams because my man is going to PA school and he's a smart-ass dude. But today, thankfully, in his place is the marketing queen herself. It is Jazz Jackson. She is a artist manager for the amazing Seth Such, Ella Osterk, Sia the Don, and Jai Winter. She's also the founder of Someday Vintage Streetwear, and she's graced us with her presence today. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be such a great conversation. And as you know, when we start our show, we like to catch up about how we've been feeling the past week. So we usually give a playlist name and a playlist title. So I'll go first. For me, I'm feeling blessed this week. For one, I got to see Drake and J. Cole perform live last night on the live stream. And that was amazing. And honestly, it's good weather in Ohio, which never happens. And the song that will highlight that playlist is What a Day by Tyler on the new, um, the new deluxe album. Also blessed to get a new Tyler album, eight new songs. Um, but how are you feeling? What, are you, what is your playlist name? What song is on it? Yeah, such a great question. So my playlist name, definitely I feel like it's airy season. So this is a season of rebirth for me. I feel it's a lot of transformation. So my playlist name is going to be Rebirth. And the track is Thank Goddess by Queen Purby. That's my track. I literally listen to it to start my day every day. And it just... Right, I'm at the tune now. me up. Yes. Check, check her out. Just awesome. Just feel good music. So that's the one I would have to go with. So to get into things, what is your music background? I mean, you've made, like you, we've made our lives all around music. And it's been our love since we were little. So what made you decide that this was a path for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. I feel like I circled back to music. I grew up, honestly, I'm not the best singer ever, but I grew up in a very music-filled household. My grandparents were in the church choir. My granddad was a singer in, in the choir. He sang all around, and my grandma was a church pianist. So just naturally, I was just always around music in my household. My granddad played the drums. I grew up playing piano and violin. So we were just always very tapped in. And I grew up with my grandparents. So one of the things we would always do is like listening to records, listening to oldies, and just music from like, like the 50s, 60s. So I just got like a crash course in like music history, I feel like at a pretty mm -hmm. early age. Um, but I actually went to school for film production. So I originally oh. wanted to go to LA, do that whole, I'm going to work my way up in the movie industry. Um, I did acting as a child. So I was, I was very set much on going into film. And eventually it circled back to, for me, especially after doing like a decade of marketing. So I've been within mm. marketing for nearly a decade now, working within all aspects of it, especially social, digital, influencer. Once the pandemic hit, I really just had this like, moment of I really want to chase after like the things that I'm passionate about and for mm -hmm. me that was of course I love marketing that's my bread and butter and what I'm known for but I love music I love creative and at the time a couple years ago I just had more friends that are within the industry that were asking me for help and like hey like what's TikTok how do you use this or can you help me like with marketing for my release so me helping out artists just came more naturally because of my expertise in the field. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was like, hey, I really want to figure out how I can make this a career and pivot 
and do my own thing. And I was like, okay, I love marketing. I love music, but I love artists and artist development. So that was the area of like, hey, I feel like this is missing for a lot of artists. They just need Mm -hmm. someone in their corner who can really help to develop them, to really point them in the right directions. And that's really what um, inspired me to get into music specifically. That's awesome. And to get into like your artist management, because I'm curious, because you have a bunch of artists who all have different sounds. So how do you find the artist? Do they reach out to you? Is it just someone that you think is dope and you hit them up and you're like, if you ever need any help and it kind of grows a relationship from there. So tell me about how you found your artists. Yeah, I feel like both happen pretty organically. I was, for example, like Seth and CA, already such a huge fan of them. So I was already connected with them. I think probably Twitter is where I find most folks or just, it's a pretty mm-hmm. tapped in community there. So those were the ones like CA, I outreached to him first. He's like, Hey, I love your music. I'm thinking about trying to go into artist management, et cetera. And just started to build that relationship from there. I'm very particular in working with artists that I am already a fan of. I Mm -hmm. like, I truly believe for me to add the best value. I have to love your music. Like our visions have to kind of coincide, et cetera. So it's something I don't take lightly. Other artists mm-hmm. have reached out to me and have approached me with that relationship. And as I said, like, I I take some time. I always say, like, kind of feel like I've been dating my artists for, like, a few couple <laughs> years now in the sense of, like, we're just really getting to know each other. We're working through, like, release after release. Like, there's just different components. And it's a relationship that takes time to build. There's a lot of trust that has to be established between me and each of them. And, you know, those are relationships that I don't take for granted. So that's why I'm I'm locked in with the ones I am. But the goal is for me to one day grow a team myself and be able to bring more artists on board that my team and company can develop and manage. But Mm -hmm. I I kind of, yeah, I now I'm just like on this little pause of like taking on new artists or clients right now for that. But um, I think it Mm kind of works both ways. There's some artists that I'm like, oh, that would be cool to work with them in that capacity at some point. Um, but that's kind of how I found the artists that I'm working with. I feel like it happened really just organically and everyone that I'm working with, like, I already like their music. I was already like aware of them before they approached me or I to them. So I feel like alignment's key. And I, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people where it's like a relationship, especially between artist and manager, it can't be forced. So, yeah. So for those listening who might want to get into artist management, how do you think that you gain the trust of the people that you reached out to? So if you reach out to Seth, what is like your selling point that why should he want you as a manager? Yeah, yeah. One, I'm queen. But no, real yeah. talk, real talk. <laughs> real talk. Um, I feel like for me, it comes down to what can your manager truly provide for you? So I really look at it like I'm someone who, when I, when I commit to something, I do it. The business of music is a business in itself, and there's so much to learn. There's so much to know, whether it's on, like, the music admin side or the business side. Like, this is a business. Like, if you want to have a career that has longevity and success and is sustainable financially, you have to treat it as a business. So I come from the expertise where, like, I have launched multiple businesses. I understand, like, even just, like, what you need to get those in place. But also I'm very tapped into, like, what's going on within social, digital, 
because of my nine to five. I have to be, and I yeah. love that. But also too, just the music business side of things. There's a lot. There's so much to mm. know. How do you register your music? Like, what is an EPK? What is sync licensing? Like, collaborations and partnerships. There, are how to diversify your monetization streams. There's just a lot that goes into building a successful business that it. You need someone in your corner who knows what they're doing. So that's the value I provide. And I'm one of those people where I'm very honest about what I don't know, because I am also someone who understands I have a lot of expertise in marketing, but within music business, mm-hmm. entertainment, law, all that stuff, there's so much stuff that's still fresh to me. So I'm also one of those people that I'm not ignorant to the fact that I can't know everything. Yeah. So if I don't know something, I feel like I'm truly a connector. So I will connect you to the right people. I can point you into the right directions. And if I don't have to be an expert in everything to be the best Mm -hmm. manager I can be for my team, I just have to be able to, you know, put the right plays together, connect the right dots and truly make sure that they're set up for success and just all those different areas. So I'm one of those people that I'm a student of life and I try to learn as much as possible. So, you know, I'm talking to people like on coffee chats in the industry and, I'm reading books, I'm watching podcasts and interviews, I'm learning and just digesting as much as I can. I invest to develop myself and you know, go to these music business conferences um, all throughout the US so I can stay up to date on what's really happening too. And I feel like that's what makes me my best self and allows me to be the best manager to my artists because this is a relationship business industry, whatever you wanna like say that as like, it takes a village and mm-hmm. you know, you need a manager like on your team that's willing to like put themselves out there and make those relationships, those connections mingle, um, all those things. But that is also strategic. I think that's very important in how like the team moves and that intentionality behind it. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that humble outlook upon things. You can't be like, Oh, I'm going to do everything. Even if I don't do it, like I'm really going to be stick to my guns on it. And like for me and Sam, we've had to do that with like right now he's not here. So I have to take on learning how to do the video editing for this whole thing and making the TikToks. And instead of keeping it to myself, I'm asking him for tips all the time and I'm reaching out to other people who I've seen do TikToks. So I think it's so important to be a student in the game always. So then are there any artists manager duos that you've looked at the trajectory uh, trajectory of other careers and you're like, oh, that's a good person to follow, maybe take bits and pieces of? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I always try to pay attention to like those relationships and the teams that I see doing things really well. Um, one that stands out to me is, I don't know if you've heard of the artist. Like that's their name. Yeah. 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 So um, Sober, I believe, is one track, but Fame Combs is her manager. And just the way Fame moves with all of her artists is something that I pay very close attention to. Fame is also another Black woman in the industry. So in terms of mm-hmm. representation, I do look towards, like, what are my people doing? Especially um, yeah. my sisters in the industry. Love Renaissance. Just the way that entire <laughs> team moves uh, with all their mm-hmm. artists or something that I love. Um, Amber and Zybel is another team that I think they're doing really great stuff. And yeah, Six, R, Noah, Miz and all of them. They're yeah, artists. They're killing it. Are just some that immediately come to mind, just off the top of my mm-hmm. head. But there's yeah. there's probably more. If I had them into the things or shooting them off. But there's just so many amazing 
people within, especially the rising, I call them the rising artists that I'm just like, what are their teams doing? Like, how are they supporting their artists, et cetera. And just the way that the teams are moving together. Um, you know, it's something, yeah. it's always like giving people their flowers because, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Doing this is not easy. <laughs> definitely. It's definitely something you don't know how hard it is until you try to start doing it. And you're like, shit, this is a lot of work. I remember in high school, I always looked up to uh, Chance the Rapper and his manager, who he eventually fired. But seeing how Chance pioneered the whole independent movement and made $3 million off of a hat that just had the number three on it. And just being an independent artist himself, I thought it was the craziest thing, how he utilized the blog era so well, maybe better than any other artist. Because he's probably one of the biggest indep- completely independent artists out there. I'm not sure if he's yeah. still completely independent. Um, and then he eventually fired his manager because he tried to help Chance out and Chance dropped the big day and messed it up. And even J. Cole did a dollar in the dream tour and he went on a whole tour for one dollar to college yeah. campuses. And that's like when like a huge album by him came out. So the fact that he was still willing to take less money in the short run to make more long to make money in the long term and have a dedicated fan base, I always like studied that. I thought that was so cool how he did that. Um so what other I tips always, do you have? I have always uh, studied that too. I love that. Like I, I like that whole college tour thing. It's a gem that I feel like not many teams are capitalizing yeah. on is college runs. I used to plan a lot of college tours or like entertainment when I was in school. So it's, it's something tap in those yeah. colleges. They got budgets too. So. Yeah. I'm in, so I'm in the club at Ohio state that plans our free concerts for students. And some of these artists, like our budget hasn't risen with how, like how everything just keeps getting more expensive. But some of these artists ask for so much money and in my opinion, I think it's sometimes more important to take less money now and get all these kids in the college campuses to be streaming your music. Because I won't name names because I don't think I'm supposed to in the club. I signed like an NDA agreement. But certain artists aren't that big and they're asking for over $100,000. And I'm like, since COVID, you haven't even, I don't even know if you can perform. Like this could be great practice for you. It gets a whole big college campuses listening to your music. So it's been stressful yeah. in the club that certain artists are asking for too much money. Yep, I've I have not planned like that sort of events in such a long time, but I believe it, and I feel that's where your team does matter because every decision is a big decision. But I'm one of those people that I always have colleges on my map in the future because yeah. it makes you so much to. sense. You ha- you have to I mean, don't forget that's... don't forget where your target audience is at, where your fans at. Yeah, it's the like eighteen school, to twenty two year olds. You got to get it. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to you finding artists and like giving advice to your own artists, what makes you click play on an album? Cause for me, like I've talked about with Sam, how important album art is and how important, like just the vibe and the back, like, like Tyler, the creator, every single music video, you look at it and you're like, that's a Tyler, the creator music video. There's an aesthetic about it and building up your own brand. So what do you tell your own artists? Yeah, I think for me, That's such a great question. (laughs) Um, For me, what really makes me click play on an artist, um, oh, cover art does matter. 1,000%. You can tell when something's just thrown together on like a Canva versus when someone has put a little bit of investment to invest in those assets. I think those high quality visuals, so it doesn't, high quality doesn't mean expensive. I feel like that continues to get misconstrued, but high quality it just has to be quality content but i love someone like tyler the creator because he's very intentional with everything he does in his brand and his aesthetic the weekend is a, another example of kind of that um that aesthetic 
even like Doja Cat is very aesthetic with her branding and I don't listen to her a lot but even from Planet Her just the whole yeah. rollout from it for me what makes me click play that's, that's so interesting because I even find artists have zero monthly listeners and still click play just off of if someone share like I'll listen to the music because I have found the most incredible artists who have like no momentum cover art's not the best but just sent me something or I'm just on SoundCloud or um, Spotify just dig in like I usually do so I feel like yeah I go with my gut people send me a lot of stuff so I take a chance on pretty much everyone I'm one of those people that when I get submissions I listen to everything because it great cover art will make me click it if you have a great visual yes but there's so many artists that like in five years they're gonna be these superstars that if I didn't click play now like I wouldn't miss that and that's that's what I don't want to miss so as someone who is just trying to discover who's next in five years, I take all chances. But if we're talking about definitely what was going to make anyone click, like you need that great cover art. You're definitely yeah. going to need those visual components. Like it can be shot on the iPhone. These new iPhones, I don't even have the newest They're iPhone. Crazy. So I'm, I'm jealous of everyone with the newest iPhone because I'm like, it does this and it looks so yeah. good. And I'm like, why are people complaining about creating any content when you have a freaking supercomputer in your hands that can get a little gimbal and just do whatever you want so those are some things that I look at but I do like open up like music submissions even for my personal playlist so I do mm -hmm. take chances on everything and I've, I've almost not clicked play on some stuff and then I did it and I'm like wow if I yeah. didn't click play on this I would have missed this. I would have missed it. So yeah, and it, it's addicting finding those new artists and like the feeling of sending a song to your friend and they're like, "Oh, who is this?" And you're like, "Yeah, I, I found that song. I, I'm a good curator with that." It makes you feel a little like inflated a little bit with the ego. You're like, "Oh, I could be an A and R right now at any label. I could pick them I out." I feel like, and I feel like I've been in A and R for so much longer than like I guess I've titled like officially been doing it because even years ago, like five years ago, I was still doing the same thing like. I don't even yeah. really miss into like what's quote unquote mainstream. Like for me to check out a project, it's like, I'll see something on Twitter. Like why is everyone flaming this? And then I'll like, okay, I'll go check it out. But my head is so in the underground that it's like, that's where it is for me. Because even like way back, like 2016, 2017, 2015, Russ, I was big on Russ before Russ even broke through. Coda the friend. I still say I was yeah, one of his Coda. first fans. And Coda will say that too. He better not. So yeah. <laughs> I've built a relationship with him over the years. And like that came from just like finding people like before they were like rising, yeah. these big independent artists. And it's crazy because my artist predictions are never wrong and I have not failed yet. So <laughs> when I co-sign an artist, hey. I'm like, you're going to break through. Jack Harlow. Yeah, I, I remember Jack too. Same. I was the biggest Jack Harlow fan back in 2016, 2017. Sun, when, when he dropped he Sundown. Yeah, that music video exactly. was all over Twitter. That was me back then, and then I remember I went to go see Wiz on tour in 2019, pre-pandemic, when DJ Drama brought Jack out. No one knew who he was, and then I almost missed my man. And I went, yeah. Jack came on, and I heard the song, and I'm running down the steps to go see him, and no one knew who he was. And I was like, he's yeah. gonna be a superstar, and I called that years ago, and like, look where he is now. Like controversy or not, That's... what people think about him, but it's like I got an ear for music and. Yeah. That's why it's like I know I can do this, and I wanted to like for me as an A and R, I was like I didn't want to like try to hop on to a more like emerging or established artist team. I was like I want to find the artists who I believe in and really build them up, and like let's just do it from the ground up. And 
do the work and, yeah. you know, just partner, partner with the artists that I truly believe already have the talent and they already have all the ingredients. You just kind of got to put it together. As funny as you said, Jack Harlow, because I feel like I, I was d- definitely in high school making all my friends listen to Sundown because that music video was all over my Twitter feed. And then I remember Coda, similar, has like that aesthetic in his videos where it's him rapping straight at the camera, lyrics under it so you can read it. And every video is the same thing. And it's smart because people start getting used to like the vibe that they expect from your music videos. And like it made me click play on Coda in like 2016. I think, was it Ultra Light Beam? I think he rapped over in like 2016. I remember that video. The old Jack. Oh, back back when, yeah. way back when. I'm still a fan of Jack, but yo, back back then, the music was a different vibe, I'm just going to say. Yeah, no, nah, his other stuff, I mean, this last album, I mean, he got nominated for the Grammy, I guess, but I used to be a way bit, I like when he raps, like, on the, like, the last song, like, River Road. I like when yes. he does that stuff. Yes. Oh, I yep. need an album with yeah. that. So, me and you clearly are both such big, like, Twitter music people. Because I personally, that's my favorite place to find music. But what do you instruct your artists to do? Because obviously, especially with the new Twitter changes that hopefully don't actually come into effect. But if you're an artist and you don't pay, it's like, how could you ever get discovered now? So what do you kind of instruct your artists to do about TikTok, Instagram, YouTube? Like, what's what do you push to them? <sighs> this is a loaded question. I feel like I as someone who is... I have to be tapped into everything that's happening on social. Like that's my nine to five. I work at a pretty big agency in the U S utilizing social digital and influencer. So part of my day job is research and paying attention to every change on these platforms. Hmm. My, my biggest opinion is especially with like the verifications, whether it's meta verified Twitter, I am one of those people I've been telling people do not pass go. I feel like this is very early. There's a lot of changes that are happening. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen with TikTok in the next month. Instagram is yeah. continually changing. It's not just this algorithm, but also what it's prioritizing. Um, mm-hmm. It was reels. It's still reels. But now they're going back to photos, specifically carousels. Um, so I have to stay up to date. Every time Adam from Instagram drops an IG update on what's changing, I'm right there. Um, artists aren't that tapped into how these platforms are changing, which is why they need someone who knows social digital marketing strategy who can really guide them. I feel like paying for anything verification. It's, it's, I think it's like, it's too pre. I have never paid for anything. I will never pay for verification. I'm a star. And at the end of the day, (laughs) if we're so worried about what these platforms are going to do, then own your own platform build your audience on your own channels and stop relying on just social to drive everything. Yeah. I tell my artists this at the end of the day, whenever you post, maybe five to 10% of your followers are going to see your content. So if that's the case, why are you paying for any sort of verification? Find your super fans, drive them to your own channel, own that audience and nurture those relationships, whether it's an email, SMS, I don't care if you drive them to discord, but Paying for verification just for the quote-unquote hope of being pushed here or pushed there. IG already said themselves that Meta Verified doesn't do anything to increase reach, engagement, mm-hmm. etc. So what are you really paying fifteen dollars a month for? That's yeah. the question. And, uh, it makes <laughs> it makes me like, yeah, it makes me so angry. It. If you had asked me, I wouldn't do it. Elon Musk is going to change his mind next month on what he wants to do, yeah. and guess what? Blue Checkworks could go away in three months. What's the point? Yeah. 
I mean, I read a Twitter th- feed about how they used to pay their biggest like users, like say they paid LeBron James to come on their platform, but now you're trying to make LeBron James pay to use your platform. And then for all these aspiring artists, not just singers and rappers, but like any type of art or business, it's like now you got to pay $8 to get anything. So I have my personal account. Then I also have the Sound-centric account. So I have to pay $16 a month for anyone to see my content. It just seems like unfair to anyone who's trying to utilize the platform, which for why it's so great in the first place, which is communication amongst people and collaborators. And that's why the Twitter music community is so cool. I'm seeing everyone yeah. celebrate Chris Patrick perform for J.I.D. and Smino because yeah. we all we all saw him just posting videos on Twitter, like all of us post videos on Twitter, and he's the one who made it out. It's kind of similar to how seeing someone out of your city make it, but now it's not our city. It's our community on Twitter of this group of artists. And it's like, hey, one made it out, so now all of us can possibly make it out. That, that's so true. And uh, I guess because I'm so into it, I – it's all like the, the fear mongering tactics don't work on someone like me who has, I have literally seen every platform come. I've seen all of them yeah. go. Like I was before I like even influence the early influencer days, I was working in social. I've seen the rise of this whole industry, which is now a $20 billion industry. These platforms have changed every single time. Yeah. And if people don't pay, they will stop doing this. So the fact that people are just paying is why they're going to do it. So if you pay, like what really are you going to get out of it? Cause like you said, if it's at the end of the day about building community collaborations and building that network, you could do that without paying for it. They can't stop you from using that yeah. platform. So I just say, stop wasting your money. Like if you're going to spend $10 a month, you get something that's going to help your career. Like that's what I would say. Like yeah. whether it's a platform scheduling tool or $10 a month to join a Patreon that teaches you something about the industry, use that money somewhere else because you know, they're, they're charging for it because people are going to pay for it. It's just like everything in life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I just love Twitter so much. I'm definitely addicted. So I'm just praying it doesn't screw up my timeline, but I, I guess I'll be a free agent. I'll I was be on like, the market. look, look here. I'm going to find my people with or without paying. I refuse. I refuse. Yeah, ma- <laughs> <laughs> Twitter could go away tomorrow and I'd be okay. Cause that's another thing, right? Like what happens if TikTok gets banned? What are, yeah. what are all these artists who have like banked on TikTok who have grown these big accounts going to literally do? I don't feel like TikTok will actually go away. I really don't. But it's it's a, it's causing a lot of chatter and that's what they want. So I just yeah. feel like it's one of those things where, but what if it did happen, right? Like there's a lot of people who talk about just TikTok all the time. And I'm like, we might not have TikTok yeah. in a year in the US. Then what? Like, that's why it's like ownership is everything. And if you're mm-hmm. cultivating connections with your fans, you should not be relying on social media to keep up with them. At the end of the day, too, yeah. we don't own our social media account. So if IG deleted your account tomorrow, what would you do if you don't have an email list, any way to communicate with those people? And I feel like that's the gap that I continually try to fill in, whether it's with my team or my clients. Like, you need a website. You need a newsletter list. You need these things because you don't control anything outside of that. Like... And that's like this hard part of like social so important, but there's also like the side of it where oh, don't just don't worry about just growing your followers. There's so many other things we have to make sure we're doing to make sure like those fans are moving to the right place. Yeah. And I think Patreon's a really cool platform for artists that I know one of these rappers I love is Marlon Kraft. And he has a Patreon where people can pay and they can get early releases of songs. You can do a sit down interview, like not interview, but you have a discussion where he talks about his music. And it's about offering your fans just a more intimate experience. And if maybe they truly support you, maybe they'll get, throw you $2 a month. And if 
a hundred fans throw you two hours a month, that's two hundred hours, and it grows from there. I think it's so smart. Yeah, yeah, and there's like so many great platforms. IG's testing in beta right now, broadcast channels as well with oh, cool. a series of people. I'm not in the beta test. I just know what's happening. Um, but broadcast channels are pretty much like the IG groups, but way more better to where it's like your own private community where you can still share like some like content, different things. So there are like those community aspects of platforms. IG, they're doing it right. I know people talk about IG yeah. being dead, but Instagram's not dead, y'all. I'm sorry. Stop saying it. It's not dead ever. I don't see because IG is owned by Facebook and Facebook's not going anywhere. So um, I just think like, yeah, it's just one of those things. But yeah, IG is doing it. They're they're trying it. They're bringing community back. I will give it to them. They're doing their best, which is why I'm giving IG more of a chance because they're bringing back photos too because I like photography. So that's my thing. So I'm like, short form content's great. We love the videos and reels, but photos we miss those and i definitely feel that and as our attention spans continue to dwindle down and down how do you advise your artists on things like creating albums versus maybe an ep um make so as me as an artist i love making like conceptual albums i like it flowing from song to song on a purpose but on the other hand maybe your best song and most exciting song should be the first song on the album even though it doesn't have that album intro feel so, like, how do you advise your artists on that and juggling that juxtaposition? Yeah, another loaded question. I am one of those artist managers that I guide them, but I let them make their own decisions on what they want to put out. So if they tell me I really want to drop an album, I'm like, okay, cool. But then I'm like, okay, we need to plan this album and tease it out the right way. So if it is an album, mm-hmm. what are going to be – the one or two strongest singles that we're really going to like push and amplify the most. Um, I'm very much like you. I very much prefer projects over singles. I love conception. I love storytelling. I love narrative. And I feel a lot of artists are great with that. I am not a fan of just pushing the single by single method. It doesn't make sense for every artist. I just believe it's in how you roll out your project and how, how effectively do you market it? I feel like that's the problem. Mm-hmm. There are people that put out albums and then it's like 15, 20 songs, but they don't do anything with it. Nothing. Yeah. Like I haven't seen a visualizer. I haven't seen a lyric breakdown. I haven't seen any, any components of that project. So I feel like if you're going to do a project, it should be intentional. A lot. I do advise to save albums for when you've generated more of a momentum and started to identify more of like who your core fan base is because it makes the most sense. Um, but I also just, I'm like, I try to guide, not tell my artists what to do, especially. So I'm like, if you want to put out yeah. an album, cool. I believe in that. I just believe like, how can we effectively roll this out? What is the story that we're telling here? Like, how can we really bring that to life through this release? Um, and given... I'm a true believer in giving every song their moments. I think that's the mm. biggest thing for me. It's like, how can you give every track their moments? So if it is like a four song EP, there should be like a visual component to all four of those songs. There should be some story narrative behind everything. We should see mm. something really, truly come to life. And of course, Dende and 95 Civic is the most recent example of they're doing yeah. that right with storytelling, with concepts, with narratives with like explaining the behinds of like, why did you name it 95 Civic or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like those are those elements of, if you're going to do a project, roll it out like that. The visuals are done. The story's there. 
um, and you really build like the world around your art, but also an experience for your fans. Like heart, like from 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 love to heartbreak, from this to that. Like, yeah, I feel that's a journey that you can bring your fans and audiences on with you. But the strategy has to be there, the the narrative, the story, all that has to come to life, and. I don't see that happening as much as I would like it to, especially within like rising mm. artists and not everyone has a team behind them or someone who may, maybe can think strategically in that way. But I just feel like I even see it like so much where artists drop projects or an EP and then it's like crickets, just crickets. Yeah. Just crickets. I don't like I it. Think- it makes me so sad too, because the music's so good. And it's like, I just like, there's just no, the push behind it. It's like what's missing. So yeah. I think a lot of arts had the false idea that like if you just drop good music, people will find it. But at the end of the day, you have to be your biggest cheerleader, especially if you don't have a manager. So we talked to Morgan Gold about this, who's an artist from Chicago, and she's love Morgan. She's like, she's like, I might, I might get annoying from tweeting so much, but like, fuck it, like who else is tweeting about my music besides me? And that's the exact way you gotta do it because although your initial followers might get annoyed, the people who randomly see it on their timeline because they don't follow her, but someone retweets it get to hear her music. And at the end of the day, that has to be you. You got to be your biggest fan and biggest supporter. 1000%. I feel like for myself too, as someone who is an entrepreneur, I have to tweet about like my services and the things that I sell. And I'm not a salesperson. Selling Mm -hmm. seems very far off of what I want to do. But I also understand like I'm in the business of I have to still sell and I have to show up every day. So, and knowing that only five to 10% of my audience has seen this tweet I'm going to retweet it again and again and again yeah. and again. <laughs> but it's yeah. so true. And I say that to my artists, like, if you're not your own biggest fan, how do you expect anyone else to ride for you? Like, if you don't post about your own music, how could you expect your fans to post about you? If you're not yeah. posting that you have merch, like, how can you expect anyone to buy from you? It's the it's the same thing. It, it comes back to, I know we feel like, oh, we're, we're doing it too much. But I'm like, there's you cannot do it too much. You truly cannot. Yeah, you can't. Unless you, I guess unless you spam in like 50 tweets a day, but most people aren't doing yeah. that, so we're good. <laughs> nah, they're nice with it. So Jazz, one last question just to give you kind of a current industry thing because as you can see behind me, I'm a huge Tyler, the creator fan. Um, he's one, just everything we talked about today. He just He's also so good to his fan base with dropping every two years, providing constant visuals, features, different things. Like I think he's like the number one artist to his fans. But what is your opinion on deluxe albums because sometimes artists will drop on Thursday and then on Monday they drop a deluxe and it's like, that was too much music to consume very quickly versus Tyler two years later is like, here are the songs that didn't make my album and they're top tier and everyone's tweeting, are Tyler's like B track songs better than all these artists A track songs? It's funny, but what's your opinion on the whole deluxe? Yeah, I feel like for me, you're exactly right. I feel the same way that it's just happening some of them are happening way too fast. I'm very much a proponent of a deluxe having all unique tracks. I have not listened to Tyler's project. I am going to say this, so don't fault me yet. I'm going to listen to it this week. Yeah. Um, but but I did look up an article so I could get the lowdown on what was on there. So I do know, like, like just in general, though, I love deluxe projects that it's, like, all new. Like, if you're going to... Mm do a deluxe like give me something that's completely different like even like i feel the same way with like remixes too or like yeah can this be completely unique um was there anything different so anyway i'm one of those things like i feel like music needs time to breathe i 
love how Tyler does it. And some artists do it where they do give that space, whether it's three to six months where they're still just pushing that primary album. Because at the same way, I think about rollouts and just everything. I'm like, if you release the deluxe a month later, there's no way you gave those songs their moments in a month. Not there's so much you could do on that project with those 10, 15 tracks that you didn't even do because you wanted to release this deluxe album. So I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Teams are just making decisions and labels that yeah. I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I truly believe like deluxe is one unique project, unique songs, brand new. And then two, like give the, give them the time to breathe. Um, give those songs their moments. Like just, yeah, they're, they're moving way too fast with some deluxes. I've seen them too. And then it's like, 10 new tracks or 20 new tracks. I'm like, look, this is like a 40 song much. project. I cannot. Yeah. I'm one of those people that's so busy too. So like for me to listen to a whole project and a whole other deluxe, like it has to be, it better be darn good. It better be yeah. tight. It better be. Um, but yeah, I think just in music, like you said, like the attention spans, just how quick people are moving on from song after song. Like you see like every Friday, it's hundreds of new songs. Like I, how anyone can keep up. That's why I don't call myself a curator because the speed yeah. that y'all, some of y'all got to listen to music, I could never be me. I could never just digest that much yeah. music that quickly because of the speed of things. So that's why I believe in like, it's okay to slow it down. And if you're truly connecting with your audience and your fan base and you're, you're catering to them, then they're going to wait. They're going to, they're going to sit and marinate with you and yeah. they're going to love everything that you put out. And they're going to love it even more when you can bring them along through that experience with you. Um, so the Lexes are great, but the, the rush the Lexes, I'm not, I'm not too much of a fan of. <laughs> it's awful. Like when it's, when it's dropped a week after your project, I'm like, okay, these are the 10 songs that were the worst that you made. And now you're just giving it to us right away. So let me give some time to digest the 15 that should have actually made the album. And then after that tour, <laughs> I'll be excited to hear a little bit more music from you. Well, Jazz, thank you so much for coming on. Anything you want to plug right now? I know you have a lot of artists. Seth just dropped last night or two nights ago when this, by the time this drops. But yeah, take the floor. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Shameless plug. Gotta shout out my artist. Yes, Seth Such just released Peace. Um, brand new single, Visuals Coming Out. And Ella Osterk also just released Healing on the 24th. So just a lot of momentum if folks want to follow me they can catch me on ig twitter all the social networks it's all that jazz xx underscore um and then i'll be having my new agency website built out soon for artists who do want to work Let's with go. me for services so i haven't even shared my name yet so we're not going to say yeah. it right here but it's coming it's coming um but yeah thank you once again so much adam for having me on for this great conversation it was so good. It's so good. Thank you so much for coming on, and we are out. Bombers.